0: Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. This podcast is for you if you have an insane drive to find the truth of things. It's not the good answers that we seek but the good questions. I interview a range of different guests from many different fields all with the intention to uncover the simple truths that are hidden in plain sight. Most people don't want to go there. I go there. My guests go there and you benefit. Please let me know if you enjoy these episodes and as always, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is Mickel Steen. He is the CEO of Everest uh, and I'll let him explain more what Everest is, but really excited to have you on the show, Mickel. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah.
0: So what is the most... Interesting thing you've learned about business and the modern business
1: environment in the last few weeks. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I think there is constantly new information to actually uh, consider uh, to uh, in that question. I think a lot of the shifting patterns right now in terms of how we work is really interesting to think about. This is maybe not the last few weeks, but but there's been a lot on my mind how, how more and more remote work is changing the way that we manage and the way that we motivate and the way that we engage with people. So making sure that our organizational structure is actually aligned with the way that we work uh, has been quite a lot on my mind. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, me as well, uh, and I would love to take this opportunity to ask you what have you learned about asynchronous work, and what is your plan for asynchronous work, and maybe, if at all, how that fits into Everest.
1: It, it fits quite well, um, both from a, both from a service perspective, but also from a, from a team operations perspective. And it's no secret that I'm a, I'm a Dane uh, living far away from the majority of the team and the people that I'm working with. So asynchronous work has been a very personal felt uh, <laughs> uh, problem, but also an opportunity to think about how we can we can structure ourselves a little bit different. Um, I see a lot of companies that are working remotely doing or falling susceptible to the fallacy by replacing in person meeting uh, and in person contact with a lot of zoom meetings without actually consider the time spent and the invitations list of those meetings. Uh, whereas we actually have like plenty of tools now to to do more asynchronous updates. So I'm for one taking a most of our team updates all hands um, syncs and doing them in newsletter format now. And I've slowly but surely started to see that that's actually a better model of engaging because you are conveying the information at a time that is actually convenient to the employee or colleague rather than, than forcing them into a room, meaning that we can all work a little bit more agile and actually take in the information that's being conveyed at any given point. On the other hand, in terms of our service level, um, we're working with people from across the globe. So trying to fit any given shift time or or some something of that sort is 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 just not possible just from a get-go. So we're working a lot with how we can document properly um and standardize documentation so people can actually understand what is what is going on and and where to pick up when where all that's left. So we we are entering a model where we can basically be in motion 24 7 rather than having a narrow window of eight hours a day where we actually in business mm. um so that's quite interesting when we're starting to to use the leverage of the medium that we're working within rather than only seeing the constrictions mm.
0: um it there's a few different places we could go from here the the Biggest thing that I've learned about asynchronous work is that it takes a mindset shift from not only the person who wants to do asynchronous work, but from everybody involved inside of the company as well. Because the go-to, you know, our mm-hmm. evolutionary patterns are to basically be in the same room with somebody, not even in the same room, be in the same jungle as somebody, uh, and uh, and like kind of like the, there's just like all of our evolutionary uh, uh, background is set on that like having that person-to-person connection. So there's so many habits, unconscious habits, that are like below uh, our our conscious awareness, and and we're trying to basically change those habits. Um, so that we can fit our life into work. And that brings up the other thing I was thinking about is you mentioned documentation. And this is, I think, why engineers are so well adapted to asynchronous work is because they already do it so much because most of an engineer's job, I mean, there's a lot of communication that they have to do in order to do what what they're working on, uh, to know what they're working on. But really, when it comes down to it, they're in like an existential battle with trying to bend the computer program to their will to fi- figure out different business programs. And documentation is such a key part of that because you have different engineers who are all working on the same program. And so they, you know, they see this code and so they have to actually like make sure that that cod is, code is well-documented so that other engineers can know what's going on. Otherwise that, that meaning comes back in, into mind. Um, what do you think on that? Is that, is this a habit change? Is this like fundamental and like any habit change brings into the whole history of the individual in question and like, um, sometimes they can be very tricky what are your thoughts on this
1: general area i think i i do believe that there is definitely a big habit to a habit change and also in the way that people are both doing self-leading uh but also managing others because it requires more of the individual to actually be on track and aligned and not just follow orders at any given point there's more freedom involved and it lends itself to a more of a entrepreneurial um and autonomous setup in general so there is definitely a, a habit uh depending on how you've worked before of course but but for most people there will definitely be a a big uh, shift that comes with a lot of possibilities and opportunities uh i do think and i to to the other part of the question i think being a software engineer as well i i, I think you hit the nail quite on the head right there. Like we, we have preconditioned ourselves to document and do systems in such a way so we can actually collaborate and contribute or contribute to each other's works uh, and and pick up the slack after one another. Um, and I think there's a lot of 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 that experience that I'm actually bringing into the company now. In terms of how we are conveying information and structuring things, the way that I would like to look at it is basically creating a common language. That might actually be the best uh, analogy. So, figuring out a structure and figuring out a way that we operate—it's basically a language um, that we are that we are choosing to speak to one another. Um, and creating the "quote-unquote" Everest language is one of the things that we are trying a lot um to make it efficient to make it um to make it uh, uh yeah uh productive uh, at the end of the day that there is not a lot of overhead um uh, assigned to alignment along the way and i think that's actually another one of the key pointers in there in terms of how we through evolution has been preconditioned to 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 stay close and we're uh, Mm. to some extent carried that over in the way that we're working it's, it, the base foundation of that is alignment mm. um, that we are always in sync and we are always on track and I think that's why we are all crawling into Zoom rooms and staying there for hours and hours and end is to make sure that we're actually aligned but if we can create better tools to stay aligned or better resources to stay aligned we might not need all of that connected uh, time um, there is definitely something to be said about human connection, but I've actually been quite surprised uh, starting to work remotely. I would say that some of my relations uh, in this company now is, is is more deep in some areas than than, than what I had on a, on a one-to-one uh, collegial basis before. Um, and I don't know if, if that's just a transition pe- uh, period where people are trying harder, now that we are remote that people are actually bringing themselves, well, maybe it's because everybody's at home, uh, mm. or most people are at home. So people feel more comfortable sharing and and they are actually in a good mind space and 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 they opt into a conversation rather than just being being uh, overrun by by the water cooler or whatnot.
0: You just said something very interesting, which I had never thought about which is that the fact that I'm home right now in my home where I feel comfortable, I, I noticed it the other day yesterday when, I, when I, I like came out from the city and I came back into my house and I opened the door and I noticed myself sighing like, okay, I'm, I'm here. And that's also where I do all my work. Um, and so the fact mm-hmm. that you have this, it's like a home field advantage. There's a home field advantage that exists within um, remote work that doesn't exist if you're in the office. Uh, which is is fascinating. I was going to take the conversation a little bit more, maybe sort of like psychologically, maybe maybe even say woo in terms of like there's this way that we can model other people inside of our heads. And yes, synchronous, being in the same room, going on an offsite, all of those things are really really helpful for establishing that like that in-person connection, which they can then move over into the remote space. But it's also accessible. And I found this when I first started doing this podcast. Um, One of the reasons why I first started to do this podcast in 2017, 2018 was that I was living a more location independent life. And I wanted to make sure that I was scheduling times to connect with people, uh, interesting people all over the world, um, and to establish that kind of like social connection. Um, And uh the, it's like there's this there's this modeling that happens that you can do it without that synchronous connection that alignment is exa- exactly as you said it's like this this i think alfred adler was one of the best psychologists who talked about that i think his word mm-hmm. that he used specifically was social feeling this feeling you get when you're when you're in in relationship with other people and that you're Uh, attuning to them and you're you're creating sort of one mind that that is more than the sum of its parts so you get you know two and a half uh three people as opposed to out of just having two people connect you actually get more people or more productivity or more consciousness whatever Mm -hmm. um and uh i'm curious do you have any thoughts on that about that social feeling and how you can replicate it in sort of an asynchronous way
1: Ooh, it's yeah. It, it, it's like there's, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that there's no downsides. There's definitely mm-hmm. downsides, and I think one of one of the key challenges is exactly that: how we can actually compound on, on each other's ideas and, and capabilities. I think there are a lot of challenges ahead of us because I think more and more people will start, if not working um, asynchronously, and then starting to to do more freelancing and, and be detached in in other ways from the companies that they actually engaging in mm-hmm. with um i don't necessarily have a good answer to that actually but it's it's a very interesting train of thought um that i would like to reflect a little bit more upon but but there is an issue with with the compounding effects i think the good thing about remote work is that we have access to more talent more perspective so you're not just bouncing up against the wall with people who are living in the block next door but you can actually get on a call with a person from Ghana who has had an entire life an entire cultural experience an entire upbringing that is also contributing on and challenging the way that you're thinking so so I think the access level to different point of views and true diversity is one of the upsides um and then if we can actually figure out how to compound the effects of 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 the people in the room, as you said, I think we are off to a very, very, very promising future. Um, One of the things, just to touch a little bit again on on the arenas, I can't help or I can't um, remember the exact name of the psychologist, but there is a a psychologist uh, talking about... Uh, arenas and 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 that there are different arenas and your personality in different arenas of life. So you have one person when you're home, you have one person when you're at your job and you have one person you are with when with your friends. Um, and I think those lines are starting to blur more and I also feel like that's one of the reasons why I see more of people now because they are actually getting closer to their true self. There's no, necessarily professional uh lack of a better word boundaries (laughs) but 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 the person and the profession and the function are merging um which means that you're getting more true clear and clean insights into what actually drives and motivates a person and and that fosters a deeper connection with the people that you're working with
0: yeah that's super interesting Okay, so now I want to talk about uh, what Everest is and what you guys are doing speci- specifically. Um, can you give a short kind of like uh, intro to the audience about what Everest is?
1: Yeah, um, I've been uh, I've been an entrepreneur for the past decade, uh, starting up several different ventures. Uh, my last startup was in the art industry, and throughout that journey, it's been it's dawned a lot upon me how much. All of the small things both matters, but also burdens you because one of the key things that we can do as entrepreneurs is to to focus and stay focused on one thing, and it's the thing that you keep on getting hammered uh, with uh, by investors, by advisors, by the market. Quite frankly, that you should stay on track and should stay focused on one thing, but there's so much noise happening. And especially again, in a remote environment where we're getting emails constantly, we're getting Slack messages, we're getting voice messages uh, on every device that we own. So why isn't there a noise cancellation or communication uh, cancellation uh, equivalent for, for your work? Basically, so what we have uh, started doing now with uh, Everest is to see if we can create the the world's uh, most premier executive support service. So basically, taking the, the traditional role of, uh, of an executive assistant, but enhancing it to look upon people's lives more holistically, and that's actually referring back to to the previous statement that now we are bringing our entire life into the business So, as a founder of a company or for a ceo you're doing that even more so because you're pretty much always on and, and accessible to some extent so how can we look upon one person's life and optimize that for maximum impact through focus through careful orchestration scheduling inboxing purchasing um all of the capabilities that that usually falls into the EA ro- uh, role but do it more empathetically and 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 also include a lot of automation and and and, and technology into the mix to make it efficient mm. so basically providing the focus and the required focus in a, in a world of too much which is just
0: such a it, it, everything we've been talking about the fact that like we're as a, as an entrepreneur, we need to be sort of pro proactive, but at the same time, we're trying to create something out of nothing, which is like one of the hardest things in the world to do. Um, and because there's all these different signals, some of those signals are false signals, some of those signals are important signals. That that job of defining what is high signal versus what is noise uh, is so hard; it requires so much focus. But at the same time, as you mentioned, the sort of complexity of modern life where I have 15 different messaging apps in order to, and some of those things are actionable that I talk about or, and then I have calls and then I make notes and there's just like this just modern like environment is so crazy. And and all to replicate that same thing that we talked about in the beginning, which is the evolutionarily we're all this like built to basically talk with people in the same room and now we have this thing called the internet which has just like totally changed our lives um and so we're it, mm-hmm. but, but created all of this noise um that didn't exist before and so that ability to get focused and so what and what is the so let's talk about work in general so let's bring it back to this high level like what is work uh, you know, and we there's personal levels to work, there's meaning levels to work, there's professional levels of work. Um, you know, and then we've got a company, and a company basically uh, has customers, tries to serve those customers, gets revenue, uh, and then tries to grow so that it can survive. Um, and then, so where does an EA fit into that, basically?
1: Well, you could you could definitely see an EA as a as a amplifier or a, a multiplier of your own productivity and impact. Um, in general, the function of an EA is also to help you stay on track uh, your thought process. Because I think, or I know <laughs> from a, a, from myself and a lot of founders that you are living in a constant state of ambient curiosity where you have to. Find time to actually reflect, think about the bigger questions, and 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 that's that needs to happen in an environment as we talked about, where it's a constant uh, set of signals and a constant set of of, of inputs that you need to 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 comprehend and and actually um, receive. Um, <laughs> where the ea is sort of becoming a shield from that or for f- mm. parts of it a filter uh, if you may that is helping you actually conduct your business and actually un- understand what's important what's actionable help you remind you <laughs> of the things that that slip through through the crack uh, mm. just from uh, this year uh, amount of work that that is uh, being poured onto your table so an ea if if it was if it was like a a comic book, an EA would be Robin and, and, and you're Batman. That's uh, probably one of the best <laughs> analogies that I can come up with. Um, it's it's definitely that person that you can rely upon that understands you on a deeper level and might actually give that sense that we also talked about earlier about human connection, because it's all, someone that is always in sync and understands what motivates you, not just professionally, but also uh, personally. So they will be able to adjust to your current mood um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. based on what's actually going on and what's happening because they know your life they know your schedule and they actually know if you're sort of sick that day which is some of the things that we are lacking now uh in a re- remote environment we don't actually know what's going on at the other end of the screen we don't know how uh, a strongly worded message is coming across and uh, that could be totally misinterpreted based upon the 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 mindset or the um uh, mindset that the receiver is in, but EA is the perfect conduit for that because they are actually attached to you as a person, um, and they don't have any other function than than making you great uh, and making you more efficient. And then there is um, the last part of that is that EA's enables more focused uh, attention and 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 decreases the need of having a very very broad bandwidth um because that's one of the things i think especially in days of a company is one of the biggest issues you're wearing between 15 and 20 hats at any given point, and 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 you have to be slightly uh slightly uh, quirky in your mind to actually wrap your Head around that and and step into the different roles that is required of you uh, at any given point. Like going from a going from a advisor meeting directly to a, a hiring meeting directly into a finance call directly into a let's design the website call. Like you need to you need to wrap your head about a, a lot of things. So having that person, that designated one, that actually knows what's going on is is quite fundamental, and it might even be more so in the future uh, where we are physically more detached and and the capability of of calling or texting anyone at any given point is um greatly enhanced
0: That's super interesting so as you've been talking the the it, it's almost like they're therapists but before going into that therapy angle um i like there there's a way that we can see every single phenomenon in our environment as a sort of Helper or a therapist or every everything can be therapeutic. There are there are issues with taking that framework of essentially thinking that everything is therapy. Uh, but I guess another better word for this might be service. Uh, so being in service mm-hmm. and it's and it's wild to the degree that which. What you're saying because they going back to that work angle there's like an operations of the company there's the finance angles of the company there's the hiring angles of the company there's the customer service angles of the customer uh of, of the of the company um and then there's this sort of leadership angle and this is really fitting into that conversation about the leadership angle as the leader there are so many kind of things that go into leadership that are just really really difficult um and so to have a personal Uh, a personal EA who's serving you in this function is very interesting. Um, I would, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm uh, envious of it as well because it's sort of like a, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, it's like having somebody who's because in a leadership role, obviously you want to connect with people, but sometimes there's that, that distance that a leader has. Um, And so to have somebody in your camp who knows you really well, uh, and then can kind of do all of, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like having a person, an, an extra person inside of you. I'm not really being really clear with this, but it's like, it's like, you've got another head that's attached to you sh- in this leadership that can kind of like remove these, these ext- extremely small things, but also establish a sort of united front where you can then take action and have somebody who who's there acting as a second brain and this brings into the, the kind of second brain conversation in general, which I do a lot is the knowledge management, how to create a second brain for a, a company, mm-hmm. how to create a second brain for a for a for an individual. Um and there's just so much that goes into that. Um and I'm kind of rambling at this moment, but but do you have any thoughts that of about what I just said?
1: Yeah, and I, I think productivity and 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 the execution is is one of the things that that is the benefits, but I think one of the key aspects of it is it's way more simple, <laughs> actually, uh, by having a, a real human person that is connecting with you uh, through the process, and 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 it might go into a bit of like the therapeutic uh, direction, but but it's very lonely at the top a lot of times. Like you've spent your day in day out caring about others, caring about how we can drive the company forward, caring about how you can create the most value for 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 the customers or the clients that you are serving so who is there to actually care about you <laughs> mm-hmm. and and that might not be uh it might not be the most like highbrow answer but I actually think that's one of the key things that that we all human at the end of the day even if you are a ceo or if you are uh, a high roller in, in some regard you we all human and, and we we seek that human connection and that human touch and somebody to actually stay in sync with that that understands us. And I think the productivity aspect of it is one, but I think the real key difference here when thinking about EA roles are, are having having that person that is actually there with you because you are spending so much time either looking, looking down through the hierarchy or looking up to investors or... Or sideways to your to your peers but but they're no one who is truly caring about that specific position so it can become very lonely or solitaire to some extent um yeah with the
0: therapist and with the therapists you only meet with them once a week uh and they don't actually help you do the work uh whereas like with what you're talking about is an empathetic connected human being who is aware of the workload and can actually execute on work uh, is is a fascinating idea. It's like, uh, well, what do you think about therapy as a service for for
1: what you're talking about? I think it's 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 it's, diff- it's, it's fundamentally two different things because we are. Not that I'm saying that our EAs are, are therapists at yeah. all, but, but we're trying to not get people to that pace. Um, it's kind of the difference between eating healthy and and going to the hospital and getting uh, getting um, some kind of procedure done. Yeah. So therapists are coming into play when something is wrong. We are preemptively actually trying to solve that by being there along the way. So whenever and that's going back to the, the the holistic way of of approaching uh our clients' life that if we know that you've had a hard hard week with a lot of back-to-back meetings or or something happened within the company we can actually go in and and help you arrange some some off time with the family like a trip to the to the hamptons or 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 to the woods or whatever falls into your uh, set of preferences but help you make the right decisions in order to get yourself into the right mind space and and get the the necessary focus and and yeah mindset to to perform in in the position that you're in Mm -hmm. Um, so thinking about life and and people and psychology and and our clients much more holistically than than at least any in any competitors that i've seen i think that's one of the key both different cheating factors, but also one of the key uh, success factors for, for our company in the future, because I don't think it will it will decrease with time the need for 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 that type of connection and that type of care. Um on the productivity side of things, we are we are definitely doing a lot as well. And I'm trying to create a quite unique structure where our processing and our Client management are detached because otherwise you end up with the assistance paradox, where the assistant then get the ambit uh, dexterity. So they they are so good, so they actually free up the the executive to do more work and offload more uh, delegations to the assistant, and then eventually that assistant's bandwidth gets so constrained that they will need a new assistant to actually. Um, the, um, lean on uh, for that additional workload, and that's more or less an endless cycle. why you end up with executive support teams, and 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 the irony oh, of man. that is that eventually you become you become too inefficient because then it's a team that needs to coordinate, they need to align, they need to jump onto meetings to actually understand what's going on. Um. So we are trying to like we have accepted the fact that there is a huge degree of empathy, mm-hmm. curiosity, and are trying to detach the processing power of an EA and the human empathetic care of. I'm afraid of using the word therapist, but but uh-huh. but but yeah, that human connection and an empathetic caretaker role. It's almost like counselors. uh,
0: Uh, but a counselor who can also work. Um, You said something really interesting what I want to dive dive into, which is that there is an assistant paradox, uh, an endless cycle with executive support teams because it's the same thing that happens with a company, which is that there are coordination costs. Once you get enough people doing the work, there are then coordination costs between those people to get the work done, uh, which then kind of create more work and it's an endless cycle and we're all in endless cycles. And how do we actually like um, uh, uh, think clearly about all these channels of work uh, so that we don't end up in this situation, it kind of leads me to the conversation, which is that uh, the kind of holy grail for a lot of technology is like, can you build a business of three people, four people, five people that actually is mm-hmm. uh, like an effective company? And the the example here is that w- WhatsApp before the um, before the acquisition of fi- by Facebook, which is I think they had something. I I, can, I always get confused between the billions that they were bought for and the employees that they were uh, that they had at the time. And I think it was something like forty employees, and they got bought by nineteen for nineteen billion dollars. But it might be the other way around. Uh, but having like a a small company uh, that can do a lot of work because technology is starting to take off. Like in, it, there is no real coordination cost between me and ChatGPT. Uh, there is a slight coordination cost mm-hmm. in terms of how do I get the context out of my head into a textual representation. Uh, but that coordination cost is going to go down as these uh, AI implementations uh, start to become multimodal and that we can, you know, I can speak to it like I would speak to a normal human being. Um, and then then the coordination costs go down. How are you thinking about these coordinate, coordination costs? How, do you, how are you thinking about technology in general is, I guess, the real question. Like, how is technology going to uh, change the game for what you're doing, either in a good way or a bad way or, or whatever?
1: Um, in a lot of good ways, um, at least that's why I foresee, because LLM's chat, uh, like ChatGPT, are, are are immensely enhancing our ability to actually perform. So it gives more time to actually be human. And and that's the core philosophy of how we are trying to structure our processes to look, have a hard look of, on any delegation coming in, recognizing pattern that are occurring across mm-hmm. clients and figure out. How we can implement technology in those to actually give our physical human labor more time to be present and understand what's going on. And I think what we're doing ties into that conversation quite well, because we are we are sort of being the coord like we are taking the coordination cost of most interactions that you are having in your day to day by by taking the scheduling power to taking the inbox management by taking the understanding of the context and conveying that to your peers and and, and your colleagues uh, so you don't always have to be in the loop to actually have other people stay in the loop um so not that I've actually thought about it that way or that way around before, but I think that's actually one of the key things of what we're doing. We're bringing down coordination costs, and and by seamlessly merging people and technology, we are doing so even more. Um, because then, at the end of the day, we will have, as you say, uh, less than coordination costs between our agents and and and. Uh, or assistance and and the uh, technology that we're using, so they will become more efficient in actually being able to perform on on the delegations that are coming in in our direction. So yeah. we can get to the state of proactivityness,
0: because mm. that really is the 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 end goal of any uh, self-actualized human, not only in professional but also in personal, is sort of uh, uh, dealing with problems in a proactive way. I love the work of Stephen Covey, who talks about the seven habits of highly effective people. And I'll never forget the distinction, the framework that he gives, which is there's there's uh, codependency uh, and then there's, oh, I'm forgetting the intermediate step, but ultimately what we should aim for is interdependency. Ah, yeah, that's what it is. Codependency <laughs> to, to independence to interdependency. And so the idea that like as human beings, we're fundamentally social human be- social beings. Um, and but for most of us, it comes out in a sort of codependent way, which is like uh, that I'm that I'm dependent on you and that I have lost my own power, my agency, and that there's a, a, a bio, there's a relationship to that. So on both both sides of the human being, there's there's this sort of like a there's a loss of agency, a loss of autonomy. And so then we move to independence uh, and independence is being sort of separate. But the real human goal, given our, our really social um, evolutionary uh, me- mechanisms, is to be interdependent. So that recognition that we are all, all connected, there's no way to get around that. Uh, but how do we do it in a healthy way? Super interesting. And so proactivity is a huge part of that uh, rather than reactivity. Um, and I don't really have a point here, but I'm just uh, rambling. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but w- w- how do you think... Well, so, w- w- what is proactivity? How does ever Everest fit into that pro- proactivity? We've already talked about that a little bit, but can we go more into this proactivity? Like, what does an EA do for you that allows you to become more proactive?
1: Yeah. um I would say that it's it's very much, when I'm talking about productivity, it's very much in our relation with the client that we can accurately predict moves and, 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 and and intentions Hmm. so what we do as uh, like as an ea in general but also what we do and and we have announced the systems to do so is to document everything that we know and everything we see about any given person so we actually create documentation on a very very minuscule and atomic level about everything that we see and observe about a person so we can slowly start to reverse engineer profiles basically and um, that helps us predict and get to a genius stage of, of of service level where we can anticipate and predict the next moves or where the chain might break or how we should act before it's even voiced and 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 to some extent that's also not that it's an AI doing that, that's still a, a human doing that. Uh, it could definitely be enhanced with technology uh, down the road but but, it's fulfilling the promise of having that true companion that actually understands and gets you, um, and that can automatically just make things happen.
0: That's really cool. Okay, predictive, and I love that you said it's not technology doing it because it's human. This 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 brings into mind the um, evolution of science. One framework that I've understood about science is that the key thing that separates science from other things is that it's predictive. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about, um, predictive processing. I actually recently interviewed the CEO of Numento, which is a fascinating company, which is doing, um, uh, uh, which is applying neuroscience lessons to the field of machine learning. Um, and, uh, so in 1960s and 1980s, there was a lot of influence from neuroscience into machine learning. That's how we get the term neural net neural network. That's how we get the term convolutional network. But then GPUs started taking off in the 1990s, and so we had pure processing power for technology, and they kind of forgot about neuroscience. So these guys are are, are basically bringing those lessons back into the to the algorithms and machine learning, um, and so. Uh, one of the key aspects of what we've learned about the brain is that it runs on a system that, uh, Carl Friston calls predictive processing so that everything in our bodies, all of our cells, all of, and even us as this being that's made up of all these cells, we're trying to predict the next couple seconds. Like even all of our cells are, are mechanisms for predicting the next couple seconds to like, Oh, do I move that direction? Do I move this direction? Where do I go from here? Um, is that thing going to eat me? Is that thing not going to eat me? Can I eat it? Um, And so like our whole thing is basically about how do we predict? And so that's like not only a technology thing, technology can also help us predict, but we as human beings are also predictive mechanisms. So I loved what you talked about in terms of actually predicting things uh, for an individual. And that takes a lot of empathetic uh, awareness, but also some distance as well. You have to have some sort of distance to view this person that you're helping in order to help them uh, help themselves. Um, And so but I, what I would love to understand more about is the process to how to actually how are you guys actually um, uh, uh, going to predict? is it it's is it basically frameworks and processes? I know that you're an engin- engineer, so you think a lot about systems. How do you build how do you uh, coordinate humans in order to build a system that predicts what another human
1: will do? There's a, like there's so many avenues that 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 touches upon. of course, there is general training. Um, so all the things that you actually learn as an EA when you are when when you when you when you're in the job, we are we are having highly skilled and 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 very professional uh, EA's in the team that are, are teaching all of our our assistants today in terms of productivity, in terms of anticipatory uh, behavior. The second part is, as you say, probably more the engineering part in terms of documenting everything we know, getting a proper um amount of data uh, to start recognizing patterns because i'm under no illusion uh that 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 humans are moving very much in patterns i believe i can't remember the ratio but i believe it's about like 0.7 percent of the decisions that you make in a day is is actual conscious decisions the rest is just autonomous it's something like Crazy like that. Like it's it's such a minuscule amount of of the decisions that you make in any given day that is actually a conscious choice. So that means that we are just running an autopilot most of the time. An autopilot is predictive uh, or predictable, mm-hmm. and that's what we're tuning in for and actually trying to 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 figure out that what are the what are the triggers and and I think as humans we're doing it like. Quite naturally. Now it's just a matter of systematize it and actually understand what's going on, on 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 a deeper level, so we can can start putting it into processes and putting it into systems that can help us do so. But I but I do believe it's 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 very much. Sp- a similar exercise to what we have done with neural networks and and looking upon how the brain function and trying to apply that to to the way that we develop technology and utilize technology i think it's some of the same mechanisms that we need to look at because as humans we are insanely well equipped to predict patterns and we do it without even knowing it. it it's the thing about when you see uh when you see a car and suddenly you see a face and a a mouth like in an instant um that's that's the power of pattern recognition um just kicking in 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 your uh, subconscious uh processing so as a species we are insanely well equipped uh for pattern recognition and i think just realizing and accepting the fact that we're also moving in patterns and we are very we are very predictable. I love know, mm-hmm. know that everybody would love to to think that we are autonomous and think that we are we are we are in charge of every decision and every reaction and every emotion that goes through our body. But I do I'm fun to believe of 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 90% of your actions being fairly predictable in any given day.
0: And that, and that brings in the, t- the conversation earlier, which is the focus that's necessary because it uh, now in this conversation, I'm starting to realize that maybe one of the main jobs of an entrepreneur is to really, really refine that 0.1% of decisions that we're actually making under conscious decisions in order to um, to like, you know, it, 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 everything I've learned at Invisible, all the things I've learned about it before from being around companies my whole life and, and the startup of creating zero to one, like creating something out of nothing. It just takes so much luck opportunity focus drive will networks uh capital all of these being orchestrated into this thing that then is created and then sustains itself um in, in many ways similar to like a human life um and so that it, it and it really comes down i mean you know we it could just be luck as well but also a lot of people believe that you make your own luck Uh, by engaging with a lot of different opportunities. And so there's this like, how do you actually narrow down on that 0.1%? And it brings to mind something else I've been thinking a lot about is that somebody, I think it was you or somebody else was talking about how there are like one or two decisions a year that really make a company. Um, And and so again, it Mm -hmm. goes back to like, not only at the individual level, there's like one to two decisions a week or whatever that you're making under highly conscious conditions but that at the same level as a company, the company is going through that same process. Um, And so I find that to be a fascinating thing. Um, I loved what you talked about uh, pattern Mm -hmm. recognition as well. Autonomous, it brings in the conversation about free will. uh, And it's just, it took me so long to reconcile the fact that I might not have free will in the same (laughs) way that I think that I do. Uh, And so I imagine that a lot of other people feel that same sort of resistance to it as well. It's just like, um, you know, we're, we're just such complex beings that are so habituated in so many different layers. And that even this representation that I have that I call myself, you know, this, 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 uh, ego, this, this thing, uh, that I am, that, that I believe that I am, it's sort of like a illusion, uh, in many ways. That's just like a, a f- effect of my con- conditioning and such. It's a fascinating uh, thing. Do you have anything to say about that general spiel? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. The thought-provoking argument or counter-argument might mm-hmm. be that why do you consider the 1% of your decisions to be you then? Like if we accept the fact that 99% is an autopilot, auto, auto mm-hmm. that's that's surely the majority of of the way that other people perceive you. So I think what's really important here and and in terms of, of, of optimizing that narrow subsection of decisions that you actually make consciously is 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 trying to be more mindful uh to practice mindfulness in in a constructive manner so you can actually start observing your autonomous self and figure out what the patterns are there because otherwise you can't change it but the 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 opposite the opposite counter force to that is is the bandwidth because you will never be mindful if you keep on getting hammered down by notifications and all the things and all the decisions that you need to make. And when you are bandwidth constraints, that's the last time that you're actually sitting down trying to reflect and, and be, be mindful. So, so that's, again, going back to, to the uh, part of the conversation. I think, I think that's, that's one of the key things that we are also touching upon actually giving that, that mind space to be, and that might that might be the the, the indirect uh, thing I described about focus actually being in choice and or be in in being uh, having agency about your own choices uh, at that point, being mindful about the way that you act and the way that you choose to interact um, with 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 your strategy, with your customers, with your with your colleagues, and, and whomever is in in your day to day um so i think the path to more conscious decision making is 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 actually making that free time to be more conscious and be more mindful about the way that we act Mm.
0: uh yeah it brings to mind the first part i want to get out about it is that There's the, there's a part of psychology that talks about multiple selves, having multiple selves and, and having different, different things. We talked, we alluded to it in our conversation about um, having different people at work, having different people at jobs, but also within this kind of identity that we have, there are also different voices that come out, like maybe the wounded child or the, um, or the adult or, or, you know, whatever, there's like thousands of them. And it's almost like mindfulness Mm -hmm. is a way to have an EA inside of your head that also tries to make things more, um. Uh, that can peer into what is actually happening and, and, and like when somebody sends you a gnarly message, like that really gets you, uh, having that internal voice in your head that says, oh, you know, maybe, maybe that's not actually what you think it is. Maybe, maybe there's something else going on there. Um, and, uh, there was another thing about, uh, but I'm, I'm losing it. It's yeah, it's, it's gone now. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on with that. Um. Cool. So what is next? What's next in your life? What's next in, in what you're doing? What's next with Everest?
1: Well, we are definitely in a, in a position now, right now where we're scaling because I'm I'm very conscious about the fact that, that again, going back to the patterns, that we need scale to actually be mm-hmm. able to actually predict patterns that are occurring across clients. The best the best analogy I've been able to conjure up uh, there is that what's happening out now in the market where you have an executive that being paired with an EA is basically that you have two people trading through a wheat field. And they won't necessarily tramp down any paths because they're doing new delegations or new routes every day. Um, but when we scale that up to a hundred um executives or a thousand or, or ten thousand you would suddenly be able to to see all of the paths that is actually occurring in the wheat field and start to pr- um to processize and and standardize the things that goes into uh, resolving those delegations so we are very much on a growth path right now signing a lot of new clients signing a lot of new uh contracts in order to increase our overall service levels um, because it's it's it is a startup and a company that functions well of all, all companies of course with scaling economies functions better at scale but but it's one of the ones that that requires scale to actually deliver on the promise that we've set out to do so there is a lot of uh growth refining our product and then uh, racing around losing that uh, as a leverage to uh, amplify our efforts and and mm. then and then get to the service level that we can be we can be proud of as a team mm. um because I feel like it's a very fundamental and very interesting challenge uh, in general to figure out how we can that we can collaborate uh, between human uh, humans, and 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 technology, and that's exactly what we are. We are standing in in the intersection of uh, making sure that that there is room for people, there is room for empathy, and that we don't forget the actual person in the transition that we're going through right now as a society.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting. It's like that we talked about the coordination costs and like how in a traditional executive support team, you'd have high coordination costs trying to solve the coordination costs of a, of the leadership. Uh, and what you're doing is sort of an aikido move where you're trying to systematize that build a business out of it so that you can scale and still ret- retain the same level of service while minimizing the coordination cost by building this mechanism by building this system uh, that will essentially identify all this stuff and then actually within the actual company create a system that can actually like handle all that without all the coordination costs is that accurate
1: exactly and 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 not just that, it also means that all of the paths that's been trampled down before before you are at yeah. that specific route, it's available to you. So all of the patterns that's already been recognized is something that you can actually use, utilize as a leverage in your day-to-day. So if you're suddenly traveling to a newer place, um mm. and we have already made it, made itineraries we made the research we've made everything that was necessary to actually make a a great trip or or a great um um uh, solution for you it will be ready available um and it will be something that you could actually use as a leverage to <laughs> to 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 both lower the cost of the actual service uh, getting there, but also increase the the service level that you're getting um, when you're getting there. So it's taking the traditional role of the EA and 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 more or less putting it on steroids because because we are an army of people doing the same thing in a structured and repeatable manner. So at scale, it will become truly impactful, and where we can. Where we can really provide some killer value that is not accessible anywhere in the market today.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting to try to think about this in my own life. So I'm in Brazil right now, and one of my well, I, I, one of the reasons I come to Brazil is that I I've found these cities down here that are somewhat uh, unknown uh, to the rest of the world. Um, And just beautiful cities that are well organized, beautiful nature, beautiful people. Uh, And they also do a lot of dancing. Uh, But I've now come to Brazil long enough that I've learned this particular type of dance. So the city that I've been going to no longer serves the function. The new desire that I want is to basically go um, to one of these cities that's on the beach uh, and go learn how to surf. And the amount of work that I've done in order to find the right Airbnb for my particular uh, set of circumstances and desires, which is uh, have have it be close to a good coffee shop, uh, have it be close to the beach, uh, have find the surfing guys, get the surfboard, uh, get the Airbnb, make sure the Airbnb doesn't smell bad and make sure the Airbnb doesn't have a lot of noise. Uh, those two things everywhere in Latin America that I've gone, even in the United States, it's they're two impossible things to find out about a place that you're staying in. Uh, currently, is how bad mm-hmm. it smells, whether there's mold, uh, and then how uh, how noisy it is at night. Those things are impossible uh, to figure out. Uh, you can ask them, but they they have the principal agent agency problem there, but they won't tell you. Um, and, uh, and so it's just like, if I had somebody to go through that, although I, there's a sort of enjoyment that I get a, a strange, uh, 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 masochistic, uh, sort of enjoyment of going through these ridiculous challenges to try to do that. But if I had somebody else to do that for me, that would be amazing. Um, and,
1: uh, uh, but well, not I'll... just that also imagine what you could put your energy into then. Like yeah, if, rather than if, that. Yeah, if yeah. those, yeah. but, but it's really like when things are actually starting to happen, you will never look back. Like when things are starting to just happen before you even think it should happen or you're being in sync with somebody, you will get addicted to that experience. (laughs) I promise you, because uh, you can suddenly start to actually focus um, on the things that truly matters.
0: Yeah, Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. How, If people have been kind of interested in what you've been saying about Everest, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, I'll encourage anybody who wants to, to, to chat or, or t- to ask questions about what we've talked about to, to write me directly on my email. It's Mikkel, M I K K E L at everestassistant.com. And yeah, just reach out. I'm a very open guy and always open for a, a chat and uh a, and a good conversation. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart III. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes for every weekly episode that I publish on Monday mornings. Hope you have a great day.